The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper today. And Alex asked me to bring us in, so I'm going to do that. I'll be joined by Dr. Alex McFarland today. And by the way, if you want to know where Alex is or where he's going to be or how you can bring him to your community, I invite you to visit alexmcfarland.com. That's alexmcfarland.com, and you can find the information you need there. That said, Alex, where will you be this weekend? Well, I will be at Rockfish Church uh, right near Fayetteville. Uh, Pastor Tony McVickers, a lot of great Exploring the Word and AFR friends down there in Cumberland County, where Fort Bragg is. And I always love to go to Rockfish. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great people there. That's um, I just was talking to the pastor yesterday. That's been named one of the 100 fastest-growing churches in the USA, and I'll be there Friday night, morning and evening Saturday, and uh, for several services Sunday morning. Several services Sunday morning? Yeah, it's going to be great. We're doing a biblical worldview, and I'm, I'm doing a presentation I do. By the way, if you're in that region, Rockfish Church near Fayetteville, I'll be doing a, a biblical response to the woke movement and cancel culture. And so I really, Jim, I, I always love to preach the Word of God, but it's always an honor to teach biblical worldview and really try to equip the church to know what they believe and stand for the faith. And, you know, whether it's a radio show or a, a weekend presentation in a church, we're always doing that. But um, I, I got to share something with you. Uh, a listener now, Jim, we, we have listeners all over the USA. We have listeners in Canada. I was in a Holiday Inn hotel uh, eating breakfast one morning, and a group came up. I was in uh, oh, Toronto, Canada, and they said, oh, we listen to Exploring the Word. But, Jim, I am looking at an email from Oscar in Great Britain. He said, I live in the UK, and... Uh, my, his mother listens to Exploring the Word, and they're going to be celebrating her birthday on Sunday. And uh, could I do like an audio greeting? And I'm going to do that. And Oscar, I'm going to send you guys an audio greeting. I believe his mother is named Jamie. So all the way over there in the UK, we appreciate you listening to Exploring the Word. We sure do. And folks that do that generally listen online are to the podcast that we have and also, of course, the AFR app. And so those are ways that you can take us with us, with you, when the terrestrial antennas won't reach that far. So uh, all the way across the Atlantic Ocean, there are people in Europe listening right now to Exploring the Word. Isn't that just a blessing, Jim? It, it really is. And, you know, we have folks similar to that who are in the military, and we have correspondence from them from time to time as well. And so, you know, when you hear from somebody in Germany, you hear from somebody in Great Britain, you hear from someone in Ireland, and they're telling you that you're listening, boy, I tell you, when they talk about the World Wide Web, that's exactly what they mean, isn't it? It, it really is. And um, do you know, I love that song, We Have a Story to Tell to the Nations. Do you remember that old hymn, uh, A Story of Love and Light? And uh, the story to tell to every generation is the story of Jesus. And we often say this, and we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5 today. Jim and I are going to wrap up 1 Thessalonians 5 and then go right to the calls. But we always say this, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. Amen. And, and whoever you are, if you maybe you know the Lord, maybe you're a Christian, but you're having a tough day, just call out to the Lord. He'll help you. He'll give you strength. Maybe you're not sure that you are saved, and you know in your heart you want to be right with God. Call out to Jesus. And uh, isn't it wonderful that we can tell the whole wide world and our city where we live about the Savior? Amen. That's good stuff. And you know, we're, we're in the last few verses of First Thessalonians 5, where at verse 23 is where we'll pick up today. But you know, 
that encouragement that Paul gives here, there is the verse in twenty, uh, verse 27, and I know we'll get to it, but it says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. So this is one of those cases that First Thessalonians was meant for the church first and then for other folks second. And by the church, we mean those who belong to the body of Christ that Alex was just talking about, how, how close God is. But he said, I charge you by the Lord. So this was something that Paul believed in a lot, you know, for him to use that uh, closure there to that injunction that it's from the Lord that this epistle should be read. And I think that's one of the reasons that we still get to read it today. Yes, because uh, we are part of the body of Christ. And uh, Jim, were you on last week? I found a statistic on uh, line on a business site about there are like three thousand businesses in the world that are more than a hundred years old. And you, yeah, go on you and, and I were on when you did that. Yeah, and I still I think about this that we are a part of something that spans the centuries. And um, let me just throw this in there, and we'll, we'll wrap up First Thessalonians uh, five. But a very famous verse is Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for the good mm-hmm. to those who love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. And the word His is in italics, meaning it really wasn't in the original Greek. It just says, who are the called according to purpose. So I looked that up in a commentary. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that really history has only had one purpose. Uh, that is the kingdom of God coming in. And when you're a part of the body of Christ, maybe you're a big church in a big city, maybe you're a small church out in a rural area, whatever, you are a part of really the only thing in history that has permanence Amen. and perpetuity, and that's the work of Christ. And so you're significant. I want to say to every believer, you matter. Your witness for Jesus is significant. And so we press on and we give the Lord our very, very best. Amen. Um, where we start out there in verse 23 of First Thessalonians 5, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Alex, you know I like the Amplified Bible, too. Oh, yeah. And so here's what verse 23 says there. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, that is, separate, separate you from profane and vulgar things, make you pure and whole and undamaged, consecrated to him, set apart for his purpose. You were talking about Romans eight twenty eight there just a moment ago. His purpose. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete and be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's mm. kind of where the rubber meets the road for a Christian, isn't it? It is. And you know, uh, that uh, similar wording for blameless is in Philippians 2. Now, it doesn't say sinless, because we all stumble and we sin, but we can be blameless. Mm-hmm. And it means pure and, and forgiven under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, because uh, he is coming back and we live in, in light of that reality. Uh, now, all these lofty things, to walk with him, stay pure, faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. Uh, verse 24, Jim, I love that, that the one who calls us, the one who saves us, the one who sanctifies us, one day the one who's going to give us a glorified body, it's really all in his strength, not Amen. our own. Alex, I want you to go back, and I want you to to hit something again, because I think that the way you phrased that, it resonated in me, and so I, I want to be sure that we don't just miss that. Go back and and tell us the difference between sinless and blameless again. Wow, good good question. Well, let me say this: even a born again Christian will commit sins. Now, now it shouldn't be our habit, but we do stumble and we sin, and that's why First John one nine is in the Bible. Uh, this is why Paul in Romans chapter seven agonized, and he said, you know. Uh, that which I don't want to do, I do, and that which I do want to do, I don't do. Who mm. will deliver me from this body of death? 
Now, here's the thing. We are not habitually sinless. Even the best Christian stumbles and sins. But we can be blameless. And it's interesting, the word for blameless is also the ancient word for a whole number, not a fraction, not a mixed number, and it, it means pure. And so we confess our sins. Uh, Jim, have you ever heard the old-time preachers used to say, keep short accounts with God, mm-hmm. meaning stay confessed. And uh, huh. I heard a preacher say one time, you know, before you go to bed, confess your sins every day. Listen, I confess mine every hour because mm. we, we all stumble, but I think we, the calling here, blamelessness, not only to keep a pure heart before God, but a consistent testimony before man. Amen. And in verse 24, you were talking about faithfulness. Faithful is he who calls you. He also will do it. It's all in the Lord's strength, isn't it? It sure um, is. Uh, John fifteen five, Jesus said, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." And uh, so we, this lofty calling to walk the narrow path and to bear fruit for Jesus, uh, it might seem uh, daunting. And if it were just up to us, it would be. But it's in the strength of the Lord. Uh, even the Apostle Paul closes out. His benediction. I couldn't think of the word. Jim helped me out. It, it's these final verses of benediction. But Paul, I mean, if ever there was the the ultimate exemplary Christian, it's Paul. And yet, even the Apostle Paul said, "Brethren, pray for us." Yeah. Um, we we need the intercession of the body and fellow brothers and sisters, don't we? We sure do. Um, you know, and, and the fact that he recognized that he needed prayer. Uh, is so compelling and should be an example to us. You know, so many times we want to start the day with breakfast, but we never start the day with prayer. And mm. I think I think the uh, former is more important than the latter there. I think you're right. You know, Billy Graham, I, it seems like I probably mention Billy Graham every show because he's like my hero. But even Billy Graham, n- near the end of his life, they said, if you could do your whole life over, would you do anything differently? And he said, I should have spent more time in prayer. And uh, so our own prayers and intercessions for other others very vital. And folks, we hope you're praying for exploring the Word. Amen. And just that there would be an anointing of God on these broadcasts to touch the lives of people. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, Jim, I just got to tell you, I'm just, I've had trouble with this. Um uh, I don't want to be kissed by another brother. <laughs> I just don't. I'm sorry. Everybody can judge me. That, but um, I guess this was that greeting in that time. Maybe they would lean to one shoulder and the other. Not like a kiss between a husband and wife, right. I'm hoping, right? I, I believe that's the case because, <laughs> you know, there are some countries that they still do that, uh, that it's very common, you know, where they'll just uh, peck on each cheek and then move on. Uh, but I think that... We here in America have replaced that with a holy hug or a holy handshake. Or a fist bump. Or a fist bump. That's right. I charge you by the Lord (laughs) that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Hey, folks, give us a call. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Brian Moyer, director of the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis. His agency is responsible for producing statistics, including gross domestic product. Leviticus 19.35 reminds us of the importance of striving for accurate measurements. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for wisdom for Brian Moyer as he works to provide an accurate accounting of our country's production output. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, 
Go to pausetopray.org. God always judges fairly because he's God. But how does he judge sympathetically? Dr. Tony Evans says that's because of Jesus. He'll take us to Hebrews 4.15 as we spend two minutes with Tony. There is no category of life that anybody in this building has experienced that Jesus has not experienced that category. He knows what it is to be lonely. He knows what it is to be rejected. He knows what it is to be hurt. He knows what it is. The Bible says he cried and he shed tears like drops of blood. So he knows when you're weeping, how it feels to weep. And he even knows what it is to feel sin because on the cross, he bore our sin. It wasn't his sin, but he bore the judgment and the weight of the consequences of sin. So I don't care who you are, what you've been through, what you are going through, what you will go through. Jesus can tell the Father, God, I feel that. I feel that. I can tell you how that feels because I've been there, done that. I know what it is to go through that. I know what it is to be hungry. I know how to go through all of that. I know what it is to be homeless. For foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I know what it is to be homeless. I know what it is to go through life struggles. So you have a high priest who can sympathize. See, all God the Father can do is know it, but God the Son can feel it. And when the knowledge of God the Father meets the sympathy of God the Son, you got a double hitter. Learn more about what the names used to describe Jesus really mean and what they say about how he wants to relate with us. Check out Tony's book, The Power of Jesus' Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Word of God speak. That's something we pray for every day here on Exploring the Word. That the word, not the words of our mouth, but that the word of the Lord would find rest in your heart. In your heart, um, Alex, I'm going to help you out here. Okay. I'm going to go back to verse 26 real quick. Yes. It, I'm going to look at the Amplified, and you'll like this. It helps you out. All right. All right. It says, "Greet all the believers with a holy kiss." as brothers and sisters in God's family. So that, that in the brackets there, you've got cover now. So you, you were very correct in that it's not like a kiss between a husband and a wife. So there I'm, you go. I'm relieved because, <laughs> listen, I, I don't want to be neglecting part of the Word of God. <laughs> All right. Now, you, you were talking during the break, and you're going to be on here in a couple of hours, aren't you? Yeah, you know, I have a great privilege with the American Family Radio Network, Jim, as you know, and very much thanks to you. But I get to guest host sometimes. Like last week, I was on The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson subbing, and what an honor. But tonight, folks, I will be on the Hamilton Corner, and I've got a very special guest, Joe Dallas. Joe Dallas is a highly respected uh, author and professional counselor from California, and I mean, he's been on Oprah and the Ellen Show, representing Christianity, and he's got a brand new book called Christians in a Cancel Culture, and um, I was just so impressed with this book about how to stand for the gospel in a woke world that I reached out to his office yesterday, and I'll have him on tonight on the American Family Radio Network on the Hamilton Corner. So with myself and Joe Dallas tonight, I, I have an idea it's going to be a very, very relevant show. Amen. Sounds good. So again, that's at 5 Central here on American Family Radio. Of course, you can listen online at AFR.net or on our app that you can also find at AFR.net or your app store for your Apple or Google devices. Not uh, Google devices. No, that's Android. not right. Android. Thank you. Yeah. Alex and... And Devin were synonymous there in, in trying to help me out. In, in case y'all don't know, I am a bit technologically challenged. And uh, oh, also, my memory's not what it used to be. Liz, you, you run a radio network. You are the technological maven, brother. You're no, good. No, sir. I just have the ability to have smarter people around me. Let's, well, let's 888-589-8840. Let's go to Omar, Texas now. 
And uh, I'm sorry, we're going to Omar in Texas. My apologies, sir. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Good. Good. I just had a question. So um, I um, I happened to be reading uh, Revelation chapter 20 uh, a little while ago. And then coincidentally, I was uh, listening to a message this week by a pastor uh, early in the morning that comes from AFR. And he was just happened to be talking about the uh, this chapter, and uh, it's always been my understanding that, you know, the uh, the thousand years of uh, the reign of Christ of uh, or the thousand years that all believers are going to be with him at that point, at that time. And and the pastor, you know, on the message, he pretty much said the same thing. However, as I read this, you know, um, I'm just. I'm just not understanding that everybody's going to be like, may I read what it says on uh, chapter 20, verse starting in verse 4? Sure. So it says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus, and because of the Word of God, they had not worshipped the beast or his image. So this is the people in the tribulation, as I understand and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Parenthesis, it says, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Uh, so to me, it sounds like not everybody is going to be in there with, with Christ uh, during the thousand years, you know, based on what the Scripture says here. I'm a bit confused at that it may be only those who were beheaded that did not accept the mark during the tribulation, um, and those that did not worship the image. Um, so I wanted to get some clarification. I'm confused as to who, because it says the rest of the dead did not come to life. So who are the rest of the dead? You know, like like those of us who maybe died in this generation, you know, who are believers. You know, Paul says, mm-hmm. absent from the body. You know, you're with Christ, so, you know... Let me throw in here for just... uh, uh, Let me throw in... uh, I think one of the keys is Revelation 19.14, because, um, well, Revelation 19 says, I saw heaven opened, and a white horse came, and the one on the horse was called Faithful and True, the one who judges in righteousness. He judges and makes war. Okay, so Christ is coming back. And it says in verse 14 of Revelation 19, And the armies which followed him from heaven were on white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And so when Christ returns, he returns with the the saints of all the ages. And so after the battle of Armageddon, going into the thousand-year reign on earth, the millennium, and you know, I'll grant you some of this uh, language has led you know, good, godly people have had differing ideas, but the general consensus, and I agree with this, and I, I'm sure Bert Harper would concur, that the thousand-year reign would include the, these armies, uh, the countless millions of believers throughout history that come back with Jesus. We rule and reign with Christ on earth during this time of, of worldwide peace. And then at the end of the thousand years, look at verse 5 of Revelation 20, the rest of the dead uh, did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And it goes on, and it says that, uh, look at verse 15 of Revelation 20, whoever was not found in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. So uh, the millennium, the millennial kingdom of Jesus on earth really will contain the believers of all the ages, and after which the judgment and the consignment to everlasting hell for the unbelievers of all the ages, and then Revelation 21, the new heavens and new earth. So, Jim, I'll grant there might be an apparent ambiguity there, but I believe all pretty much all scholars throughout history would say the millennial kingdom is where believers of all the ages are on earth with Christ. Amen. Omar, let me encourage you um, at the afastore.net, afastore.net, we have a uh, a study of Revelations 
uh, revelation that has been done by Alex and Bert, and that might be helpful to you in your study of that. Because as Alex said, you know, very scholared people have differing opinions uh, throughout Revelation, and I think that's one of the reasons that uh, we still call it a mystery. Uh, we we have a lot of evidence, we have a lot of clues, but and we just really won't know until we are known. You know, we know as we're also known. Let's talk to Iris now, calling from Arkansas. Iris, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, by the way, folks, the number is triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. Iris, welcome aboard. Hello, Iris. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. okay. Second Kings chapter five, verse eighteen and nineteen. Uh, Naaman asked Elisha when he goes into the temple of Remnon if he would be pardoned. Elisha tells him to go in peace. Why would Elisha tell him to go in peace? Let me look at this. Okay, so and I don't know till I look at it. The verse reads. Yeah, no, I was just going to read the verse. And this thing, the Lord, pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Ramon to worship thee, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon, and I bow down and worship, and bow down myself in the house, the Lord, pardon thy servant in this thing. And then, uh, sorry, I didn't get verse 19 there. Um, and he said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. Um, well, so Naaman has come with his horses and chariots, and he stood at the door of Elisha. This is a, a, a very kind of famous passage because the servant had said to Naaman, you know, if, if the prophet had said, do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? Uh, how much rather than when he just says, you wash and be clean? And he went and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was healed. Uh, verse 14 of Second Kings 5 says, Naaman's flesh was healed like the flesh of a little child. And uh, so uh, uh, I, I think he said go in peace because it would have been just kind of the appropriate Jewish um, uh, salutation to somebody send somebody on their way. Uh, there, this interaction was done because... Um, it sort of changes gears at verse 20. It was just, I don't know that there's a whole lot to read into it other than the conclusion of their interaction. Yeah, I think that's one of those things there that, you know, when you read it, I don't think there's a, a lot of hidden meaning there uh, because of the explanation that's given beforehand. So uh, we appreciate the call this afternoon. Good question. Uh, just hope that, that we helped you a little. Let's talk to Elizabeth calling from Mississippi. Elizabeth, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, good afternoon. How's everybody doing this afternoon? Doing well. Good. All right. Um, thanks for taking my call. And I just have a question. Um, uh, me and my friend, we were having a little discussion about the Bible. And she asked me the question, all those people that Jesus raised from the dead, like Lazarus, and uh, the little girl and all the other people that he raised from the dead, did those people had to die again? Well, I, that's a wonderful question. And, I, Jim, I believe so. I, I think you're right, you know, because the Scripture clearly records those who have been taken into heaven without dying. And, you know, we, we think about that, and we have Elijah and um, Melchizedek. Yeah. And other than that, I think well, that, it, sir, wasn't it Enoch and Elijah? Enoch and Elijah. I'm sorry, um, but when you look at that, though, Alex, and and you see that so clear and pointed out, you know, a lot of folks say that Moses must not have died, but that's not what the scripture said, uh, because Joshua came back and the Lord told him, "Moses, my servant, is dead. God's not a liar." Um, and so I think this is one of those cases that God, uh, that Christ did raise them from the dead. But I also think that, yes, I, I think the girl probably had a long life and then went home. 
And uh, I think that Lazarus continued to do what the Lord needed him to do, and then he was called home. So, uh, mm. you know, Alex, what do you think about that? You know, it's very interesting. And, and Jim, you feel free to disagree with what I've said uh, if you want to. But I, um, you know, Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. And all the things that a, a shepherd of a flock would do, the good shepherd, Jesus did. Uh, God performed a wedding. And, you know, preachers and ministers teach and lead people to Christ. Do you know God even performed a funeral? Uh, in Deuteronomy 34, 6, it says that God buried Moses right. in a valley unknown. And so isn't that something? Uh, God even uh, performed a, a wedding, attended a wedding, performed a funeral. But two people, and, and as far as we know, only two, uh, got translated up to heaven without going through physical death, Enoch and Elijah. Now, if you read Matthew 27, 51 through 54, it says there was an earthquake, the sky became dark, the graves were opened, and many of the saints came from the graves and appeared in the holy city, Jerusalem. They would have had to die too. And I've asked a few scholars about this, and like Lazarus and um, you know the ones Jesus raised from the dead, it was a miracle, but they would have had to undergo physical death and their spirit go on to heaven then. Uh, but uh, the only ones that were translated right on up, I think, as far as scripturally we know, is Enoch and Elijah. Elizabeth, I know that sounds bad, but, you know, in the end, they are able to celebrate eternity with Christ. So uh, there's something to mm -hmm. be said for that. Uh, you know, I think of Lazarus and, you know, we we see that Jesus wept uh, because of that. So I know it grieved his heart to find his friend dead. But he, um, he came through and did deliver him. So let's, uh, thanks for that question, Elizabeth. Hope that helped. And keep talking about the Bible and tell your friends about exploring the Word. But more importantly, continue to witness Christ to them. Let's talk to Steve calling from Texas. Steve, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Hey, just wanted to expand on Omar's, uh, uh, you know, on Revelations. So I've actually been... Uh, always, always believed in a pre-trib rapture. And then um, here, I would say six months ago, so I've just been looking at uh, uh, Michael Brown. And uh, man, and I go back and look at all the words, and Michael Brown is a uh, post-trib rapture guy, and uh, he's also on AFR. And I mean, I just completely changed my views on that based on everything that I just, what you were reading, Alex, just a minute ago in Revelations. I think it's in, uh, I want to say, Thessalonians or uh, Colossians, I can't remember exactly, but also in Matthew, I think Israel uh, uh, Isaiah represents some of that stuff as well. But basically, I think we're the church. We do get to see Jesus come back, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we, but we're not necessarily, if we're there during these seven years, uh, we get to welcome him back, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're, um, I think that's why there's two, two, set, two comings, right? Um, the first one. And then that, that you mentioned the second one being later on, um, yeah, Steve, after a thousand years. Steve, when we talk about the rapture, this goes back to what I said, that learned people disagree on when and how that happens. And um, so it's one of those things there that we have to remember when the rapture happens, is it nearly as important as being ready for that rapture? I'm going to let Alex come back and expound on that for us. Uh, when we come back, folks, 888-589-8840 is the number. This is Exploring the Word on AFR. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch 
for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Apostle Paul penned his second epistle to Timothy, now an elder in the church at Ephesus, in about 64 or 65 AD, while imprisoned in Rome, awaiting his imminent execution under Nero. In warning Timothy about the coming perilous times, marked by the increased anti-Christian persecution in the Roman Empire in 64 AD, Paul directed Timothy to his speech and his feet. In speech, Paul gave Timothy priceless biblical instruction. In feet, Paul left Timothy a legacy of lifestyle. Christ's following demands consistency between speech and feet. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Jesus' parable of the great banquet, he said this in Luke 14, verses 17 and 18. The master sent his servant to tell the guest, Come, the banquet is ready, but they all began making excuses. A dad asked his teenage daughter, Honey, how do you think dads can have better relationships with their kids? She thought carefully and answered, I think the problem is that dads just have too many tomorrows. She said, Well, it's always tomorrow. I'll have time for that tomorrow. I'll play with you tomorrow. We'll talk tomorrow. Too many tomorrows. Dads and moms, do you know God today? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Today is the day to seek God's face and to call on Him. Don't make excuses. Today is the day to seek the Lord. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Of Hope. Eight Days of Hope exists to love and serve those in need. Over the past 15 years, over 40,000 volunteers have helped 7,000 families rebuild their homes for free after natural disasters. We've also renovated and rebuilt facilities to bring hope and healing to those rescued from sex trafficking. Our rapid response ministry is busier than ever. With 40 deployments over the last four years, we've been able to minister to so many when it mattered most. It's completely free to serve with us. We provide your food and lodging when you volunteer. There's countless opportunities for any skill set and any skill level. We spend multiple weeks with those that have lost so much by cutting trees, tarping roofs, mucking out houses, and so much more. Consider joining us on our next outreach. You will never be the same. For more information about 8 Days of Hope, please go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. In Him we were also chosen as God's own, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything by the counsel of His will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be for the praise of His glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. American Family Radio. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Everybody here want to be praying for revival that is a great thing to do because our country certain our country and our world certainly needs it another thing to be in prayer for is our friends at eight days of hope as they are ministering to uh, waverly tennessee and so they're doing an outreach there and so you can find out more information on that at eight days of that's 8daysofhope.com. You can spell it out, and it will give you the information that you need there. And uh, you can also volunteer there, as, as they've done in the past. And so they're looking for volunteers beginning the 27th through September 11th. And uh, they are staying at Trace Creek Baptist Church. And so you can, find, again, when you visit 8 Days of Hope, you can find that information there by clicking on the the button that uh, talks about volunteer information. So that's 8daysofhope.com. Alex, uh, before the break, our caller was talking about the differences of the rapture 
and the different ways that folks talk about that. Um, he talks about pre-trib versus post-trib, and of course, just to be fair to all three, we'll throw in mid-trib. Uh, so mm. help us understand why, and it goes back to what we said, learned people disagreeing on when that happens. Well, it, it's interesting um, the way different people look at different things, but the point on which we all agree is that Christ is coming back. He will rule and reign victoriously, Amen. and the evil world systems will be vanquished. And uh, is my audio okay? Have we have we got good audio, Jim? Yes, we're fine. Yeah. It's interesting, and I'm speaking a little bit in generalities right now, but the church age, which has been really from Pentecost to the very present moment, has been predominantly Gentile-based. Now, there are more Jewish Christians than ever before, uh, well, than at any time since the first century. But think about this. It's interesting that you, before the birth of Jesus, you had uh, believing Jews that by faith they looked to the Messiah that would come. And Habakkuk 2 says that they were made right, they were justified by faith. Now, there were occasionally Gentile converts like Rahab, but pre-Christian era, there were pre predominantly Jewish believers in the God of Israel. And then uh, Jesus had Jewish followers, and then for the majority of this last 2,000 years, it's been Gentiles. It's often called the times of the Gentiles. But during the tribulation period, and there will be many, many uh, Jewish believers during the tribulation, 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams go forth. And the majority of the people saved uh, during the tribulation seem to be Jewish converts. Now, while this is going on, if you read Revelation 19, 7 and 8, while the tribulation is happening on earth, the marriage of the Lamb is happening in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, sadly, millions of, of Jewish believers are going to be martyred during the tribulation. So by the, the end of the tribulation, Armageddon, Christ returns with 10,000 times 10,000, the Antichrist and his minions are vanquished, and the thousand-year millennium comes in. Well, a lot of people, and Dr. Brown is a dear personal friend, and I have the highest regard for Dr. Brown, and this is what I'm about to say is kind of an intramural debate. We all agree in Jesus, the Savior, so um, what I'm about to say is not an issue of salvation or lostness. I mean, you've got, you know, pre-trib, and that's, that's where I lean heavily, pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib, um, but I, I think when you a lot of the impetus for being post-trib, people say, well, you know, it's just not fair. All these Christians, especially pampered American Christians, they just get snatched away before the time of Jacob's trouble erupts on earth. Um, well, we, we have to take Scripture for what it says, and it does seem, after Revelation 4.1, you don't hear any more about the church from the times of the Gentiles. You hear about the believers and the martyrs of the tribulation, but they're really not from the times of the Gentiles. They're the tribulation saints. So I think it's worthwhile to try to make a distinction. If it's tribulation saints, then where are all the Gentile Christians? Well, they were raptured, and we talked about that in 1 Thessalonians 4. But regardless, hey, this is an area where we love, we show grace, and... Uh, the good news is we all agree Christ is coming back, and uh, if we've put our faith in Him, we're safe and secure in Christ, regardless of what persecution this world might throw at us. Amen. That's good words, Alec, and good information, too. Steve, hope that helped for you. Um, again, that's, you know, when I took eschatology um, many, many years ago, it was one of those things that it gave us an understanding of what other people believed and why they believed it, but it still didn't make any decisions for us. The main thing, it goes back to what Alex said and to what I'd mentioned earlier, is that instead of worrying about the rapture as much as people do, let's worry about being found ready and working for Christ so that he, 
we will not cause him shame when he returns. Amen. Amen. Very good. Let's talk to R.W. now, calling from Texas. R.W., welcome to Exploring the Word. Oh, brother, with that last line, you, you got away from preaching and started meddling there. So, <laughs> Amen. Hey, I heard you speaking a little bit earlier about, about when uh, Jesus called Lazarus forth, and it says Jesus wept. And I've heard it posited that the, one of the reasons why Jesus wept was that he knew he was bringing Lazarus out of paradise and into back into the world of sin. Uh, well, um, go ahead, Alex. I, I don't know that we can fully know why Jesus wept. Uh, it does say he groaned within himself, a kind of an agonized groan. Maybe it was because of their unbelief. Um, maybe it was because that they were so sad. Because you know, um, I, I just think of the the heart of a little child when um, she said, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. My my brother wouldn't have died." Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just a combination of all these things, the the grief they were feeling. But it's a joyful thing that he could say, Lazarus, come forth. And maybe, maybe it was a combination of the fact that they didn't understand, they were grieving. Um, I, whether or not it was about Lazarus coming out of paradise, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just this overwhelming, Jesus had power over the grave, but he also knew part of the way that he would win this resurrection victory for all believers is that he himself would soon enter the realm of the dead on our behalf. And uh, Jesus, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Um, Jesus tasted death so we could be delivered from the, the jaws of death. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I just think the whole thing was such an overwhelming coalescence that Christ was moved to tears. You know, I I think you're right, because there in verse 36, it says, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And of course, some of them said, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? And then in 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And then you know the story from there that Jesus told them to move the stone, and they said, Lord, he stinks. Uh, But they took away the stone. They were obedient. And then Jesus prays there in verse 41, and it says, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I think it's worth noting that he only had to call him once and that he called him by name. Yes. You know, we've talked about that before where we believe the reason he called him by name is that he couldn't just tell the dead to come forth because then many graves would have opened then as they did after the crucifixion. Uh, R.W., Mm -hmm. I hope that helps, man. That was a great question. Appreciate you, and have a great afternoon. We're going to talk to Brandon from North Carolina now. Brandon, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Good. Good. I was just wanting to maybe um, throw in an idea on the uh, raising of Lazarus. And maybe the reason why Jesus wept was that he may, now this is just an idea, he may have died in his sin to begin with, and therefore Jesus wept. So therefore he brought him back to life. And now with Lazarus, as a believer, as a personal life witness to Jesus Christ, therefore to die again wouldn't have really been a bad thing because in Christ there is no sting in death. And so, it, I mean, that's just, he therefore had a second chance, like to be reborn again, to witness for Christ, and then to die in his name. Brandon. It's better to die in Christ. Uh, you know, that's that's a okay theory. But there's no evidence that I've found that contributes to that. In fact, I think one of the reasons that Lazarus was considered a friend of Christ and a follower of Christ was because he knew him as Messiah mm-hmm. then. Alex? Yeah, and, and I appreciate that. I I, I, I think I, I feel where you're going, brother. But Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. 
And, you know, it's interesting how even the New Testament scriptures that were written after the Old Testament scriptures, scripture always harmonizes with scripture. So no New Testament scripture would precede or contradict any Old Testament principles. And so there's no second chance after death. Um, even, you know, Samuel got called back briefly. And by the way, this is a whole nother topic that I won't open up for another day. But do you remember in 1 Samuel 28, uh, the witch of Endor seemed to call up the spirit of Samuel. And Samuel came back from the realm of the dead just briefly, and it was very condemning of, of Saul. But the witch of Endor seemed shocked. Because, I mean, apparently, you know, she had put on plenty of uh, uh, masquerades, and suddenly here's the spirit of Samuel the prophet, and she's, like, really shocked. But no there, there, no second chance after death never has been. Mm. All right, thanks for the call, Brandon. Uh, folks, we've got time for one more call this afternoon at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840, and we welcome your call. You know, Alex, I want to go back and I want you to talk a little bit about the study that you and Bert did in Revelation. And I know that's a resource that we have that's available. But uh, unpack, uh, if you would, why you guys did that and why. Because you don't record everything. Well, let me take that back. We record everything for podcast, but we really don't record everything for sale later in the store or as a resource from our resource center. So why, why Revelation? Well, well, thank you very much for asking. Uh, Bert and I uh, felt led to do that uh, for a couple of reasons. We, we really went through the book of Revelation and Daniel, and uh, we, we did that. And if I recall, I mean, I think it's about seven hours. It's, it's pretty thorough. Uh, and part of it was because we just felt like, um, you know, it's something that people have a lot of interest in. And we wanted to make it available. And, uh, you know, the things that we all agree on, we talk about those. And the things that uh, different, equally good, godly people disagree on, you know, um, or have, you know, differing opinions on. The other thing, Jim, we tried to, you know, make sure that we talk about what are the essentials of the gospel mm -hmm. that are the non-negotiables. And what are the areas that we almost, you know, kind of have... You know, Grace, the, the resource is called Revelation, the Lamb, the Savior, the King. Uh, eight CD sermons. It, it is on uh, afastore.net. And it, by the way, if you Google like resources.afastore.net, you'll get there. But it, as in American Family Association. But in the this, you know, eight audio CDs, you know, so it's eight hours. They... Um, we go over Daniel, Revelation, to give what we think is the best balanced overview um, from Billy Graham to David Jeremiah. I think they would agree with it. And what are the points of maybe respectful discussion? We talk about those, too. All right, great. Folks, you can find that again at afastore.net, afastore.net. Don't forget, if you have a chance, to pray for Eight Days of Hope as they minister in Waverly, Tennessee, and for the folks in that area. That was a devastating flood. So keep, mm. continue to keep them in prayers. And then as we look towards the first part of next week, understand we may have a hurricane on the Gulf Coast. So uh -oh. keep those folks in prayers too. Alex, thanks for letting me hang out with you. God bless you, folks. Thanks for listening to the American Family Radio Network. Hey, tell somebody about American Family and Exploring the Word. Most of all, though, Pray for America and tell everybody about Jesus.